the Knowledge from the Couch podcast. It's fun. It's interesting. It's weird. It's whatever you want it to be. Thanks for listening. from the couch podcast i am kyle and i am your host how is it going guys what is up this is episode number nine i think we're on i feel like sometimes i'm just a weirdo time traveler and i have no fucking clue where we're at or what we're doing or what events have happened or what events are yet to happen and this and that and the other i think we're on episode nine walter freeman this guy is an insane person he he is the lobotomy man, and we are going to talk a little bit about that. But before we do, I got to do my opening spiel. I got to do a little bit of talking before we go any farther. So what's up, guys? You know, nothing nothing new with me all that much. Um, thank you so much to everyone who emailed last week and got back to me after my passionate plea for feedback. It's super duper helpful and it's it's actually reinvigorated me to do this show because it shows me that people are listening, that people want to people want to have a little bit of input on what's going on with with the program. So it's it's fantastic. I love it. I'm so happy that I got to hear from a lot of different people, in particular Cole and Aaron, you know who you are. You guys gave me extremely good feedback and advice about the show that I am taking to heart and I can very confidently say that the future of the show is bright hopefully at least I'll try for it to be um obviously for the next probably couple of months it's going to be a lot like this where we're just going to do our our weekly episode with uh, the occasional bonus episode here and there by the way I released a bonus episode on Tuesday of this week, the 7th, before uh, Friday here, and it is uh, about Henry Berg, the ASPCA founder. Go back and listen to that one super quick. It's awesome, and I plug a fantastic GoFundMe that both of my sisters are running, so go check all of that out if you happened to miss that one. It just sort of, I just sort of snuck it in there super quick. It was just something I I did because I, I love the idea, and I wanted to do something to help them out, so it's fantastic, but anyway... We are going to be doing the show a lot like we're doing it now with the intro like I do, just like I like to talk uh, about stuff that's going on and and eventually we're going to eventually we're going to get to the point where there'll be a, a nice little mix of solo episodes like we do now and guest episodes. Um, I have people in mind that I would like to have on the show and because I know a lot of different people with a lot of different interests in life, 
we can take the show in all kinds of directions. I know people who are very interested in history, interested in weird stuff, very academically inclined. So when we do the show with them, it's probably going to be more like a more like a tit for tat sort of thing, more like something that we can talk and discuss something that they're super duper into and I'm going to let them kind of run the show a little bit and I'm just going to be there pushing the buttons, keeping it running smooth and it's going to be awesome. There's some of my friends who maybe aren't quite as into this sort of thing but want to be on the show, want to be a part of of this and we will we'll find something interesting to talk about. There's always, I mean the world is full of weird and interesting shit. There's if you think that you don't have any content because you've just run out of interesting stuff to talk about, then you're extremely short-sighted because the world is full of weird shit and interesting people. And you could go for years and years and years and thousands of episodes and you'd never even cover half of what you could cover. So we will continue our due diligence finding weird stories, finding weird people, finding cool shit, finding awesome stuff, and we're going to talk about it and we are going to do it on this show. Now, watch for updates in the future, obviously, website-wise, host-wise, all that stuff. But I just want to say after last week's feedback, which is all wonderful and fantastic, that the show obviously is going on, and it's going to go on like this for a while. So I think that's awesome, and I hope you guys continue to listen to it. And without further ado, after all that bullshit, I just talked about the lobotomizer. Let's talk a little bit about Walter of Freeman. This is a this is a weird, ridiculous fucking story. To be completely completely candid about it, there there is a lot to unravel here, and it's sometimes when when I read this story and I start getting to the end of it, I'm like, holy shit! I can't believe this bullshit happened. Now it's it's crazy to think a lot of the stories that we tell, and obviously not all of them are are ancient history or anything but a lot of the stories I've had so far that we've told typically typically have have landed usually in the 1800s somewhere whether it's the beginning or the middle of the 1800s or so and maybe sneaking into the 20th century in the 1900s here and there this one happened really not I mean relatively not that long ago I mean when this guy stopped doing his lobotomies uh, I was only 
18, 17 years away from being born personally, and I'm a 32-year-old man. So it's it's really not that ancient at all. My parents were alive. Both of my parents were alive uh, while this guy was still banging around people's heads. But we'll get to that in a sec. Walter Freeman was born November 14th. So, hey, this episode is actually almost going to be on his birthday. That worked out. hey oh, November 14th of 1895 in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Um, he comes from a line of people who are doctors. His grandfather was a doctor, and his dad also was a doctor. So Walter Freeman, this guy, the one we're talking about, uh, Walter J. Freeman II, if we're being precise, but we're just going to call him old Walter, old Walter Freeman, he went to Yale, which at that time was Yale College, but Yale University, basically, for medical school, and then, or for undergrad, I should say, the medical school at Penn. So, this guy is not a dumb dude. Like, that's the thing. He he did some ridiculous shit, but he is not a dumb guy. Uh, Ivy League education, uh, always very impressive. So, he he's super duper interested in the way the nervous system and the, the way the brain works. This has just always been sort of his sort of his passion that he wants to to share with the world. So, after graduating school, he goes and works in Washington D.C., where, by the way, he's the actual the first ever neurologist that worked in the city. That's pretty crazy. D.C.'s a big city. So, first neurologist ever working in D.C. was Walter Freeman. He goes and starts directing the lab work in the labs at St. Elizabeth's Hospital at the time. He, at this point, starts to witness the mental patients. Now, anyone can attest to you, even today, mental health is a really underserved and all really misunderstood portion of, of medical care, portion of health care. And that's with the advances we've made these days with medical technology and medicine, you know, drugs, uh, therapy, a lot of progress has been made and people are being treated better than ever these days. And it still sometimes seems like an absolute crapshoot. It is mental health is the, the weirdest thing because it's, it's, it's disorders in the brain and you have a brain and you can literally think about your own disorder it's it's the only thing that is so you know inward on itself like that it's it's crazy so you know you can you can imagine how complex i mean the brain is absolutely a complex ridiculous organ that we're still finding out so much about and still trying to you know still trying to map still trying to figure this out and that out and and the other thing i mean you can transplant every organ in the body pretty much reasonably well but you can't do that with the brain not yet at least not for lack of trying from some people, but you it's just too complex, the, the nervous system and the brain. And you can imagine, like I said, you can imagine how complex it is now with what understanding we have with current technology and current being 2017 future people. Just imagine what these fucking people were doing in like the early 1900s, right? So, you know, just imagining these mental institutions because this is this is back in the day when the the institution was a lot more of a popular thing and really institutions were popular all the way up into the 60s and 70s before you know institutions started to fall out of favor when people figured out hey maybe it's not a great thing to just lock somebody up somewhere because we don't want to deal with their mental health issue 
you know, we figured out, oh, hey, maybe we can actually treat people and actually be compassionate and figure it out instead of being like, well, I don't like the way you do stuff, so I'm just going to go lock you somewhere, bye, and then just leave. That kind of used to be the way things were. And Freeman saw this, especially in St. Elizabeth's where he started working. He saw this where people, where patients, you know, mental patients were just almost scurried around like cattle, you know, just sort of difficult to, to corral because there was no real good treatment besides, you know, locking them up or whatever and, and doing what you do. And he was, I mean, for for, the, for being a ridiculous dude, he, he had a lot of empathy when it came down to this sort of thing. And and he, it, it really spurred on his journey to try to find a way to treat these people. So really, the path to his insane lobotomy action really, I mean, the way it reads and the way it seems really comes from a place of, of compassion. He really wanted to help these people, and he was trying to find a way, trying to find a way. And then, as luck would have it, Mr. Freeman hears of a procedure being performed in Europe at this point called the leucotomy. Leucotomy being like the white matter basically being taken away in the brain. It is being performed mostly, well, it was originally performed by a Swiss psychiatrist named Gottlieb Burkhardt. Now, and this was, about, he was performing him when, when Freeman was being born, so really early on. But the guy who kind of brought it to the forefront was a guy named Igis Moniz, a Portuguese man who was performing these, quote, leucotomies, which a leucotomy is a lobotomy, just that was the original name for it. And Freeman was absolutely astounded, absolutely astounded by what could be done during the lobotomy. He was just like fucking floored. He was like, oh, Jesus Christ, you're telling me that we can just do all this shit to their brain? All of a sudden, they just, it just changes them? Oh, my God. You know, and people had the, 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 the idea that something like this could change somebody. There were, quote, accidental lobotomies, you know, in the past where, say, somebody was doing something, then something got driven through their head, and they still lived through it. And they go, oh, man, this person's personality changed really dr- drastically because of this whole thing. I don't know why. And then people started putting two and two together, going, oh, yeah, the brain the brain influences literally everything. Okay, well, that's cool. Let's just do that then. And Freeman sees Moniz, the Portuguese man, doing these leucotomies, and like I said, he is absolutely floored. So he gets in contact with Moniz, and Moniz becomes a, a mentor for Freeman, who wants to continue to, to, to develop this, this lobotomy procedure. So these two guys get together, and they do what's called more of a, a traditional lobotomy or a prefrontal lobotomy with these people. And what that means is that they would cut into the frontal cortex and, and sort of squish around or sever the connections that that part of the brain was making with the rest of the brain. And originally, it was much more of a brain surgery type of thing where these guys would actually anesthetize the patient and cut holes in the skull and then insert tools and sever the connections. Um, this is this is the tra- this is what's really known as like a standard or traditional lobotomy, and this is the one that was being performed by these guys at this time. Now, 
the the thing about this was, and it's ridiculous to think that this was this is the way that they were going to act, but it was brain surgery, and it took a while to do. And Freeman, for some reason, was just absolutely enraptured with this procedure. Man, once he started lobotomizing people with Moniz, and then later he actually um, had to... By the way, let's go to an, an aside real quick. He was totally, totally into this lobotomy thing, but interestingly enough, Freeman's medical license, not not his medical license, his license to perform surgery at this point was 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 invalid. It had been revoked because his last patient had died on the operating table. So he enlisted a neurosurgeon named James Watts to be his quote unquote research partner, which is basically he was just going to be a proxy for Freeman to just start banging around on people's heads. So so. Freeman gets the inspiration and the mentorship from Igas Moniz, the the Portuguese man who was doing these in Europe. He then goes, okay, we're just going to do a shitload of these in America. This is awesome. Literally like full-blown into the lobotomy game. Like, uh, try anything else? Nope, we're just going to fucking lobotomize everybody. It's going to be awesome. Man, you have any sort of mental illness? Lobotomy. We're doing it. So he enlists James Watts as his partner. So, so now from the early to mid-1940s up into the end of this thing, and we'll get to that in a sec, James Watts and Walter Freeman, the man of the hour, are partners in their lobotomy game. He enlists Watts because Watts is a licensed and currently licensed at that time neurosurgeon who can actually perform these brain surgeries. So he sort of says, hey, James Watts, you want to be my partner? I can tell you how to do this and show you how to do this lobotomy thing, and you can just actually do them, and we're gonna, it's going to be awesome. We're going to be partners. We're going we're gonna to help people. It's going to be sweet. So they would perform these standard or traditional lobotomies where they would actually you know, cut holes in the skull and do what they were going to do. Well, obviously, like I was saying, for Freeman, this apparently didn't work out very well because he wasn't entirely happy with the the slowness of this lobotomy. For, for some reason, I guess he felt like, man, we could just lobotomize so many more goddamn people if we just found a better way to do this super quick. And wouldn't you know it, wouldn't you know it, Freeman is just uh, picking around, looking at stuff, trying to figure something out, and he hears of a man named Amaro Fiamberti, who is an Italian doctor, who was doing what was kind of a, a, a preamble to what would be called the transorbital lobotomy as opposed to the standard you know, prefrontal lobotomy that they're doing right now. And the way it's different is instead of coming through the top of the skull into the frontal cortex, and I'll post some pictures that illustrate the difference between these two things when I when I have this episode published, instead of pushing a hole down into their head, this is where the freaky bullshit starts to happen. Oh my god, I watched a video on YouTube of this before recording just so I can get like a an idea of what it looked like. Oh my god, it's 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 cringe mode all the way. Fucking this is the one where they literally ice this is the ice pick lobotomy. They they shove a like basically an ice pick it actually was 
literally was an ice pick. This is how fucking nuts Walter Freeman was. Fucking, he literally was like oh, going through a drawer after he had heard of this procedure, and he was like, "What would be a good fucking uh, uh thing I could do and uh, to make this work?" Oh, look at this, this long, sharp, pointy thing. I guess I'll just do this. Awesome. And so anyway, he had heard that this guy Amaro Fiumberti was performing these transorbital lobotomies where they would stick the sharp end of the tool on like the inside of the eye up through a little bone into the brain. So it's it literally as disgusting and insane as it fucking sounds like. And he would bang around like once and then bang around again and literally swish it around just uh, let's see if we can just uh, mess all this shit up. Literally that's how scientific this is. Fucking outrageous. It, there's nothing terribly precise about it and it, it seems precise especially when you actually watch the video that he produced that I watched that was describing what was going on you know it seems precise but it really isn't you know there's no opening of the brain and making these very you know intricate incisions and and knowing exactly where you're at doing this and that nope it's like we get under there the precision literally ends once you get to the brain. The most important part of the goddamn surgery, the precision ends when you get to the brain. The precision starts because you're going, okay, got to get to the exact point, right? I, okay, perfect. And we get to this little point, perfect. Bink. And we get through. Okay, good. That part's all very precise because you have to get to the brain in that way. But then once you get to that point, it's like, well, I guess we're in the brain. What do we do now? Uh, You ever mixed your drink with a straw? I guess we're just going to do that in the brain. And they just they just do that shit. And it's fucking nuts. And they do it with both eyes because I guess, you know, you, you got to get all the frontal bullshit scrambled up in there. So he hears about this guy doing this and he's like, man, this is the best shit, man. We can do this so fucking fast. Oh, we don't even have to, like, do all this uh, aseptic technique and all the surgical bullshit, James. Man, we could just we could just put somebody on a table. Bing, bang, boom, fucking put them out, local anesthesia, and just make this shit work. And it's like, oh, my fucking God. Okay. So, and, and for s some reason, Watts is is just like, I guess we're going to fucking do this shit for a little while. It's going to be awesome. And so before, they, these guys have performed lobotomies since like the, the early 40s up to about 1950 is when these guys sort of discover, I should say Freeman, discovers this new way to do it. And he absolutely fucking loves, loves doing it. And it's just, it's just insane. He would, he would literally do these lobotomies and, and he would use anesthesia. But here's his anesthesia. His anesthesia was fucking electroconvulsive therapy, literally ECT. He would do this. He would be like, okay. Put these nodes and shit on your head. All right, we're going to shock the fuck out of you. Super quick. Just shock the shit out of you. You're going to be fucked up anyway. And, and while you're all recovering from your fucked upness, I'm going to open your eyelid. I'm going to jam a little fucking metal thing in there. I'm going to bang around with a hammer. I'm going to do that a couple times. And bada bing, bada boom, you're going to be a drooling moron at the end. Hooray. It's great. This is wonderful. Here we go. And and that's what he would do like it's it's so weird to read this and be like is that the fuck was that what they do? what what is this i don't understand and this is where the first craziness happens where walter freeman's sort of dis misunderstanding with james watts happens because the whole premise of of that before was that james watts was a licensed 
current, you know, legally performing surgeon. And Freeman wasn't. That's the whole thing. That was the whole surgical thing. And he had to have him around because he couldn't perform surgery. And that's why he was so passionate about doing these these transorbital lobotomies through the eyelid, through the eyeball, that, you know, he didn't really have to do surgery, quote-unquote, like they were doing before. Watts, being an actual surgeon, was, basically it came to the point where they started butting heads, and Watts was like, well, this is fucking dumb, dude. I'm not going to do this with you anymore. This is stupid. This isn't actual surgery. You're just banging an ice pick into somebody's fucking eyeball and that's your lobotomy now. Like, we're not opening the skull up. We're not doing what we're doing. You're just going to do this swish and, and bang and whatever the hell you're going to call it. Well, fuck that. I'm done. I'm not going to do it anymore. So then Watts eventually leaves, and Freeman is on his own. Well, that's great, because now Freeman is a fucking psychopath who's just way into his new method. And, and here's the funny part. At the time, at the time, he was a hero. This guy was praised for his lobotomy, because at this point, like I was saying, there was really no good treatment for mental illness. So this was sort of a panacea. This is sort of a, a, a seen as a catch-all. Like, hey, these people are, are, are acting like whatever, and that's the other thing, too. Obviously, mental illness was less understood anyway back then, but the actual spectrum of mental illness and all the different types of, of diagnoses that you could have were also extremely misunderstood. So there were probably lobotomies performed on people who are very severely mentally ill, like maybe severely schizophrenic or extremely bipolar or just things that are very obviously mental illnesses. But there were other people that very much, and we're going to talk about a couple of notable examples toward the end here, people who probably weren't actually all that mentally ill, really, but because they were like, well, we don't know what else to do. I guess we're just going to fucking lobotomize them. Hey, that was the thing. So at the time, you know, Freeman was having articles written by him, you know, in Time Magazine, Life Magazine. The, the press fucking loved this guy. He was so charismatic with his thing. He, he literally turned what should have been a very, you know, a very last resort sort of surgical, medical, just like this is the thing that we do, just very cut and dry. He turned it almost into like a sideshow act. It was it's outrageous. To the point where Freeman bought a fucking van. <laughs> he he bought a van and he calls it the goddamn Lobotomobile. No shit. The Lobotomobile. Like, what kind of person would do some shit like that? Who, who, who could do that today? Just like, hey man, I'm going to get in my Lobotomobile and just drive around the country and start jabbing shit into people's brains. It's going to be awesome. And it fucking worked. He would go back and forth, coast to coast. And just he'd be just literally touring the nation like he's a fucking band and his lobotomobile is his fucking tour bus. And he is going to all these all these uh institutions, like we talked about these these institutions where all these mental patients were, just going like like walking up like a snake oil salesman up to these places and be like, Hey, get your lobotomies here. We're gonna do some lobotomies today. You want a lobotomy? You want a lobotomy. Here we go. And he would just go nuts and people would fucking line up. Lined up now. I don't know if they're being lined up by their people or they lined themselves up, but there were lines of people 
every stop he made at these hospitals to get fucking lobotomized. This guy was like the lobotomizer. So many. By the time he was done doing lobotomies in the 60s, he had already he had performed about 3,500 lobotomies. 35 fucking hundred. Holy shit. 2,500 of those were with his ice pick methods. So him and Watts did about 1,000 of the traditional standard lobotomies where you would do it in the brain surgery type. And then he was doing ice picks and he would just... I, I Can you imagine knocking that shit around thousands of people's brains? It, it's insanity. It's crazy. And, and you think back at it now and we all look and go in horror almost at how insane that was because it was seen as such a, like I said, a panacea. Like, oh, it's a cure-all. It's just what it is. We're just going to lobotomize goddamn everybody. Can't think, can't think of a solution? Lobotomy. The end. But at the time, it was just, it was the shit. It was insanity. Now, a couple notable examples of, and we'll get to the end here a, a second as to why his sort of you know, why the lobotomy and why he sort of just went away completely. But before we do that, let's talk about a couple very notable examples of lobotomies that he was involved in. Because really, the the thing was, his whole thing was he was selling to psychiatrists, the guys who were actually working as, you know, the medical providers for those with mental illness, psychiatrists from a medical school. He 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 wanted to do a thing where he would teach this ice pick lobotomy to other people, psychiatrists, that, where they could literally then do it in their offices. Like, that's what he wanted to do. He wanted to make this as simple as, like, giving somebody a fucking flu shot. Like, hey, you're a psychiatrist, somebody comes in, why don't you lobotomize him? Dude, lobotomy is very permanent. Like, you can't unfuck up somebody's brain after you scramble it around like a goddamn crazy person. And this is what he kind of wanted to do with his vision. Now, there are two really good and known examples of of people who are lobotomized by him and and are notable to this day. The first one you've probably heard of, a gal by the name of Rosemary Kennedy or Rosemarie Kennedy, yes, of the very same political royalty, the Kennedy family of these United States, her, her brothers being, you know, President John F. Kennedy and Robert F. Kennedy, the senator, both of whom were assassinated, and Ted Kennedy, who did not get assassinated and actually lived a very long time. Rosemary Kennedy was one of the many children of Joe Kennedy, Joseph Sr., and Rose Fitzgerald Kennedy, and early in her life, she displayed, quote, behavioral problems resulting in less academic and sporting ability than her siblings. And this is the, one of the the crazy things about it was it's, there's probably nothing really wrong with her. I mean, look at guys like John F. Kennedy and his brothers. They were overachievers. They were extremely intelligent, crazy dudes with, with a knack for a lot of things. Just because your daughter doesn't show exactly that same knack doesn't mean that she's fucked up. Doesn't mean she's wrong. Maybe she has a couple of behavioral problems. That that's when you look back at it in a in a light that we have today, it seems fucking barbaric. And actually it still kind of is. 
you know, but back in those days, it was like, well, especially with people like the Kennedys, you know, oh, Joe Kennedy, oh, he's got a he's got a reputation to uphold. We can't have one of our one of our children be be one of these people who's mm, we can't mm, it's too much. We we have to fix this behavioral problems. What is this? It was very likely that she might have had something very mild, like she might have been bipolar or something like that. Either way, doesn't matter because Joe, her dad, was like, well, fuck it. She's all fucked up. Okay, gonna go get her lobotomy. And guess who fucking performed the lobotomy? It was actually James Watts, but with Freeman observing these guys in 1950 performed the lobotomy on her. She is 23 years old, and she went from being a pretty normal girl of 23-year-old to being reduced to basically the, the, the mindset of a two-year-old is, is the way most people quote it. So she went from being able to do everything that her brothers did pretty well to being incontinent and babbling and, and unable to do anything like feed herself or walk around and do any of that, that crazy shit. So, and it's insane because it's the, the insanity of that is, is that Joe Kennedy was so fucking impatient with her and so, you know, so like, ah, I just can't even deal with her that his fucking solution was to find goddamn Watson Freeman, the, the, the wonder twins of, of killing people's brains and decide to let them just jab around in her brain because that was the only solution, I guess. And then his dumbass didn't even go and like visit her. Like she had to be institutionalized at this point because she couldn't take care of herself. And instead of taking care of her, they were like, ah, just ship her off to a fucking thing and then just never ever see her again. The most cruel, awful thing ever. And she lived till fucking 2005 like that. 2005. That's insanity. She was 86 year old, 86 years old, excuse me, when she died. It's it's crazy. She lived literally 60-ish years of her life like that because of what they did to her. And it's just insane. Like that, that this was people don't realize that this is a lot more of what happened when you did these lobotomies than the positive outcomes. Freeman and Watts would definitely, and Freeman especially, Mr. Showman Freeman fucking bringing out his cane and his hat. And it was, come on, see, let's do some lobotomy. See, here we go, line them up. And just bing, 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 going for it. They would exaggerate the positive effects of these lobotomies to the point where they were claiming usually that about 60 to 70% of the lobotomies left the patients in a better state than they started with, you know, 20 or so percent being, you know, about the same as you started with, which is crazy that you knock around somebody's head and don't make a goddamn difference. And then, you know, the rest percentage being um, worse off. It, it actually tended to be a lot closer to about 50-50 where, and the first 50 is not 50% better. It's about 50% on one side was either better or unchanged. And the other entire 50% was shitty and either reduced to these types of states like Rosemary Kennedy or killed or literally killed. And it's actually said here that, I mean, of, of the 3,500 lobotomies that him and Watts performed, most of them being by him himself with the ice pick method, that he killed about 100 fucking people. And actually, in the most insane showmanshipy way that he could... <laughs> There, so like I said, this guy was like a celebrity, right? People love this fucking dude. So he's out there, and he would just do these lobotomies in front of people. It wasn't like, hey, come into my private 
uh, office and let's just do this super quick and get done with it. No, he 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 loved a fucking audience. He loved that shit. So he would get his audience here. Let's go. Let's go check this out. Watch this shit. I'm gonna shock the shit out of this lady. She's gonna freak the fuck out. Then I'm gonna jab a thing in her head. It's gonna be great, guys. It's gonna be sweet. Uh, let's all head over to the Lobotomobile and take a look. During one one procedure in 1951 at the Iowa's Cherokee Mental Health Institute. Freeman was doing the lobotomy on this person. Fucking some photographer was like, Walter Freeman, turn around and take a picture with me. And so he goes, okay. And he turns around to pose for a fucking picture mid-lobotomy. Like he's jamming this thing in this person's head. And they turn around to take the picture. And he accidentally fucking jammed that thing in that person's head and killed them. Holy shit. What? Uh, huh? It's It's... Insanity. Like, I got to pose for a picture while I'm doing surgery, quote-unquote surgery, and I jammed into his head. Oops, sorry, patient who was being lobotomized. Fuck it, sorry. Um, He lobotomized 19 minors in his day, including a four-year-old child. What the fuck? Four years old? You fucking kidding me? What kind of parent is like, hey, four-year-old, looks like you're having behavioral problems. Most normal people are like, yeah, no shit, dude. It's because he's fucking four. That's why he has behavioral problems. This parent was like, eh, lobotomize him. Fuck it. Ugh, oh boy. Now, the other notable example that I finally wrangled myself around into after all this bullshit was a man by the name of Howard Dooley. Now, Howard Dooley is an interesting fellow because, A, he's still alive today. Fun, Fun fact, he's only 68 years old today. He was born in 1948, so he was one of... Uh, uh, Freeman's, I would say, mid to later lobotomy subjects. He was a recipient of a transorbital lobotomy, so the old ice pick right in the eye. He had it done to him when he was 12 fucking years old. He was one of them 19 minors that Freeman took care of. So he was, you know, Freeman. Freeman was the actual doctor at the time who diagnosed him, quote-unquote, with schizophrenia at age four. So they, they had a history with each other before the lobotomy actually happened um, when he was 12 years old. Now, the best part is other physicians at the time detected no psychiatric problems. He was probably just being a fucking kid and maybe had something, but nothing as crazy as childhood schizophrenia. Well, Freeman, being himself... Definitely thought that that was what's going on and convinced his parents to let him lobotomize his kid. Like, this fucking guy had a goddamn fetish for sticking shit in people's eyes. Like, he just like, oh, man, I gotta fucking lobotomize these people. And he did it to Dooley at age 12 in 1960. And at that point, after that was all done and done, it changed Dooley's personality for the worse, really. Uh, I'm reading here, Dooley was institutionalized for years as a juvenile. He transferred to Rancho Linda School in San Jose, a school for children with behavioral problems. He was incarcerated. He eventually became homeless and an alcoholic. Now, the best part about it is all that bad shit happened to Dooley, but somehow, some fucking how, Freeman couldn't fucking ruin this guy's life because after he became sober, and he did, he went and got a college degree in CIS, or Computer Information Systems, and then he became a California State Certified Behind the Wheel Instructor for a school bus company. So this dude, like, became successful. Like, he got his brain scrambled up like eggs and still, after all this time, found a way to be successful. And then later in life, 
he tries to research into his own past and what what fucking happened to me when I was a kid? I don't understand because he couldn't trust his own memory because he got a goddamn pick shoved in his brain. He's going around trying to do research. He has partners and all of a sudden he finds out, holy shit, I was lobotomized as a 12-year-old. What? And it becomes this huge story. In 2005, it breaks. It's on NPR and all things considered. It's a huge, crazy thing. And he eventually writes a book about, hey, look, my lobotomy, this happened. And this is the reason why you could probably blame Dooley for why I'm doing this podcast or why anybody covers Walter Freeman. Because at the time, you know, he did all his lobotomy shit. It was whatever it was. You know, he eventually stops doing them, of course. And... It was probably just sort of relegated to the to to the the annals of history for medical science. We'll put that one in the in the drawer and we'll just forget about it. Then this happens. He writes his memoir and finds all this shit about about how you know this happened to him, what happened to him, and what happened to thirty five hundred other goddamn people by just Freeman and his dudes at the time. And people were just freaking the fuck out like it's like, oh, Jesus Christ, this is something that's happened. And I'm sure there's a couple of people listening now that haven't heard this before and are having the same reaction. Like, what the fuck is this? It was a thing. It was a crazy thing that happened. And so getting to the end of this, let's conclude this a little bit. The biggest thing that killed Freeman's killed Freeman. There's two things that killed Freeman's lobotomy spree that he was fucking on apparently two things the first thing was his last patient he lobotomized uh died so there you go fucking i'm doing my 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 shit and whoops my my last patient just died uh okay it was the woman by the name of helen mortensen and by the way most patients being lobotomized were women just by the way as a random fact because this is also a time where people are like, oh, you're a woman. Looks like you're acting up. Oh, boy, the woman's acting up. Better poke a thing in her brain and fix her up. Just a random aside. Anyway, anyhow, this woman gets a lobotomy performed on her. She dies of a cerebral hemorrhage, as did over 100 of his other patients. At this point, <laughs> somehow... This, after all this fucking time, after all those other people died, after fucking doing this shit to a four-year-old, after doing this shit to a Kennedy, after doing this shit to a guy who will later find out that it happened to him, after all that stuff, this was finally the straw that broke the camel's back. That said, okay, dude, hey, hold up, man. Okay, 3,500 blotomies, that's enough. That's what we want, you bitch. And then they just yank his license and utterly completely from him to, to do anything. So they... That stopped him from doing lobotomies permanently. The other thing that was the underlying concern, the underlying action that sort of stopped his lobotomy career was the development of a drug named Thorazine. Now, Thorazine isn't really used all that often anymore. These days, there have been a a lot more antipsychotics that have been developed that are better, that are less side effecty. You know, just Thorazine is a, is a real rough drug. It actually still is used a little bit these days, but not that often. Thorazine was developed, and actually the funny part is the lobotomy was so pervasive in culture at this point that Thorazine was actually sort of subtitled as, quote, a chemical lobotomy. 
literally because Thorazine had a similar effect on these people. Only instead of jamming a thing up somebody's fucking eyeball and swishing it around in their brain, it was a pill that somebody took that had a similar effect. And also the best part is if you stopped taking it, you would just be fine. You know, it would be, you would go back to the way you were. Maybe a little bit worse depending on rebound effect. But you wouldn't have your brain jammed up. So once Thorazine was developed, uh, Freeman was really trying to sell this shit to whoever would take it. At some point towards the end of his goddamn career, he was charging a, a cool 25 bucks for a lobotomy. Hey, can't beat that deal, right? Can't beat 25 bucks for a lobotomy. Boom. And then Walter Freeman goes through all this bullshit, gets his license yanked, and after it's all said and done, dude dies in 1972. Uh remembered as a as a whatever dude until of course Dooley's uh autobiography comes out and then holy shit this whole thing and here we are today looking at lobotomies going why the fuck was that even a thing but apparently it was really a goddamn thing so that's Freeman Walter Freeman an insane person jamming ice picks in the guy's eyes having a great time doing it all the way until the 1960s so cool great story bro now now for that non-sequitur fact of the week. Let's do it. There's enough water in Lake Superior that if you took all that water and spread it equally, you could cover the entirety of North and South America in a one-foot-deep pool of liquid. That's a lot of goddamn water. And that, my friends, is the episode. Thank you so much for listening. Um, still don't know what we're going to do for the sweet, sweet episode 10. I'm sure it'll be something halfway interesting, hopefully. So, yeah, please, please subscribe to the podcast. We're up to 70 subscribers. That's pretty cool. Please subscribe to the podcast uh, wherever you get your podcast, whether it's Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or wherever you do. Hit that subscribe button leave it a rating that's always fun you can email the show knowledgecouch at gmail.com by the way while i say that i'm looking at the map of the places where my show's been downloaded and by far the vast majority of the downloads take place in the united states but but i've had three downloads from canada and two from australia so i am gonna find a Canadian thing to do pretty soon and I'm going to find an Australian thing to do pretty soon to honor my five whole downloads outside the United States. Hey people from Canada and Australia, fucking email me dude, knowledgecouch at gmail.com hit me up. I want to see why the hell you accidentally stumbled upon my podcast and if you're enjoying it then please let me know what you'd like to hear about, or else I'm just going to pick some random shit from your history, and we're going to go from there. But hey, that's cool. Besides that, as for me, you can find me at Kyle Steinhauser on Twitter, where I'm often either tweetering about the show or retweeting Nihilist Arby's, or you can go on Instagram and find me at Kyle F. Steinhauser. I promise at some point I'm going to post other pictures besides the announcement for my podcast episode pictures because that makes for kind of a boring Instagram. But hey, go follow me there anyway. I'm cool 
It's fun. It's whatever. I don't care. Do what you want to do. Whatever. Next week, episode 10, like I said, not quite uh, determined what the subject matter is going to be. But hey, it'll be the 10th episode. That's awesome. We're already up to that point. We got some mini episodes in too. It's going to be fantastic. By the way, speaking of mini episodes, check out episode 8.5, the one that happened this Tuesday. It's a fun episode for a good cause, in my opinion. But until then, or until whenever you hear from me next, guys, thank you so much for listening. I am out. Oh,